When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dylan was—he was a revolutionary man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind. This is Bob Dylan, about man, and God, and law. Charlie Watts died on August 24th, 2021. The rock and roll internet spilled its guts. In the past decade, we've lived through a lot of the seemingly invincible forces of popular music dying. Prince, Tom Petty, David Bowie, Aretha Franklin, Lou Reed. But there was something about Charlie Watts' passing that felt a little different. What was it? We've spanned an age where the Who hoped it died before it got old and then lived on in some form or another for more than half a century, which is pretty old. Mick Jagger himself had said that he could not imagine himself up on a stage past the age of 30, and now he's pushing 80. A cluster of young and pretty passed on at 27 during Rock's formative period. Jimmy, Janice, Otis, Jim, Kurt and Amy followed the same exact path. But now it is no longer drugs and plane crashes and rock and roll suicides for the talents who make the mold for mortality in popular music. It's heart trouble, obesity, cancer, old bodies just conking out like everyone else's. One of the great tests of any society is how it relates to mortality. What are its myths of what happens when we die? How do these myths inform how we live? Think of ancestors, reincarnation, eternal punishments and rewards that suit the saint or the crime. How do we keep death close enough to provide an animating edge to life? Close encounters with death like Dante's Inferno, our lives flashing before our eyes after a close call on the road, roller coasters, horror films, visiting a grave and leaving flowers or a small stone. The flow of life is adjacent to mortality, and sometimes we ignore it, and sometimes we seek out the horror and thrill of getting right up close to that animating edge. Since its inception, Rock and roll has tangled itself up in mortality, but now that the generation that made rock and roll an empire has reached the age of truly facing its end, during the age of COVID-19, no less, rock and death take on new meaning. Charlie Watts's timely but somehow still shocking passing sharpens this point of truth.
Welcome to season two of About Man and God and Law. In season one, we looked at Bob Dylan's vision through ten themes. A lot of this thinking and listening planted the seeds for a book I've just completed called About Man and God and Law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan. Visit mangodlaw.com to find out more. Season two extends this conversation, pulling on threads of themes from the book, speculating about how Bob Dylan's spiritual wisdom reflects upon what's happening in the world, hosting conversations here and there with thinkers and doers on what all of this might mean. These episodes are going to be shorter than season one's, and they'll be coming twice a month. And herein today, we answer the question, why Charlie Watts's death offers us a mirror for generational pop-cultural spiritual themes about mortality today. I will not go down under the ground Cause somebody tells me that death's coming round And I will not carry myself down to die when I go to my grave, my head will be high Let me die in my footsteps Before I go down under the ground And because this is why we're here, we will call upon four insightful songs by Bob Dylan to animate these points. The four themes of mortality and the beat of Charlie Watts's blessed memory, four Dylan-esque reflections on facing our limits. So thanks for stopping by and trying to get to heaven before they close the door with the fight, the flight, the ordinary dude, and back to the sources. First, the flight. When someone is pulling the wool over me However poorly they have aged and compare their body of work since the 80s to Dylan's or Paul Simon's or Neil Young's to see just how much they've rested on their laurels rather than leaning into making new music, the Rolling Stones have occupied rock and roll as long as any band. Their touring and recording career spans almost the entirety of the rock and roll era. One of the reasons they have aged pretty badly, despite the fitness and spunk instilled in Mick by his P.E. teaching Papa, is that they are just each year a little older version of the same bad boys of rock and roll they always were. Dylan, on the other hand, has let himself become an old man just the way one must. At a certain point, fighting age gets very old. You can want to die before you're 30. You can want to die in your footsteps. But what happens when you survive for another 50 years? A rock band known for rule-breaking, norm-busting at 23 is about the fight, going down, fighting, or not going down at all. But Dylan doesn't fight aging. 
Though even as he grows into it, he says in 1997's Highlands that he would change places with young lovers he sees if only he could. Dylan knows he cannot turn back the clock, which is the whole drift of the song we just noted, and the album that contains it, Time Out of Mind, which is so thick with mortality. That same year, 1997, that that album was released, the Stones released Bridges to Babylon with thoughtful lyrics of twilight years, like... If you really want to tear up your mind, if you really want to get yourself blind, might as well get juiced. The death of Rolling Stone Charlie Watts affirms that no amount of fight or fame can outfight time. Time waits for no one, and it won't wait for him or you. Oh, they all are mistakes of a past history. Let me die in my footsteps before I go down under the ground. Then there is flight. Classic rock radio never dies, and the stones are all over it, much more so than Dylan. It's a soundtrack of the hymns of rock and roll heaven. Half of the most played artists, even for someone in their early 50s like me, were gone before I was even three years old. The opposite of fighting is flighting, escape. We say in psychology that wounded people are torn between fight and flight when it comes to intimacy. Back in the day, poet Robert Bly told the tale of Iron John, a mythic figure, the Eisenhuns of Grimm's tales, whose uncultured brutishness is the key to teaching an otherwise high-flying golden boy to get grounded in the world, not to run away from fears of growing up and growing old but rather to plant himself in life and learn to be a man with grace. And all that you've held sacred falls down and does not mend. Just remember that death is not the end. Not the end. Angels in heaven, life after death, the eternal shelter of eternal youth, long-haired hippies, or the glam rocker soaring stone through the ether in order to ignore the grit of life, to transcend it. But they too, like Icarus, must fall. They too must face Iron Chan at the age of 27 or some other time. Gimme Shelter is probably one of the top ten rock songs of all time. 
But with all of that war and street fighting it names, all of that gorgeous, raunchy grit, and Mary Clayton's stunning, jarring vocals of tumult and horror and majesty, the Stones wanted to hide just a shot away or just a kiss away. They wanted shelter, not the harsh light of the day, but you can't outrun death any more than you can fight it. You can't out-hide, out-charm, out-pout, out-dress, or out-timelessness it. This, too, is a shock to the system. Stones, for goodness sake, forever young, forever avoiding Iron John, out-foxing death, or living a heaven on earth, well, they get busted, too. Even the most luxurious flight from mortality on their own private plane above all else, even the most wonderful flight of fancy must end. Then there's the third way. The way of just the ordinary guy. Charlie Watts, it seems, was a guy that everyone could relate to. Yes, his wardrobe for a day probably cost more than most people's wages for a month. He was a proper British gentleman with exquisite, expensive tastes. But he was also the one who was married to his sweetheart before satisfaction, and he stayed that way. The least rock star looking of the rock stars this side of uh, Leslie West soft-spoken, never missed a gig until the very end, didn't require full blood transfusions in Switzerland or drown in a pool or fall out of a tree. He loved his music. He was considered the creme de la creme of rock drummers precisely because he was not flashy, but rather totally reliable and always just a funky hair's breadth ahead of the beat. Poker-faced. Still waters running deep, watching all of that madness from the well of his kit with a whimsical smile. We're all just trying to make it through the week, find whatever gets us through the night, hold down a job, pay the rent, put the kids through college. What else? The fight and the flight. These signifiers of drama, these are pathologies when we cannot name them. But what about the ordinary guy punching out the clock of life, just trying to get to heaven before they close the door, just like we are, relatable, and always showing up on time, even if his own signature beat kept the time. And then, having done it all right, all night, he's gone, which means that we could be gone soon, too. I'm just going down the road feeling bad Trying to get to heaven before they close the door Mother of Muses, sing for me Sing of the mountains and the deep dark sea 
Sing of the lakes and the nymphs of the forest. Sing your hearts out, all you women of the chorus. And finally, there's back to the sources. Maybe death is not the end, but we'll never know. Fight it or flight it, slowly sink into it. We also wonder, or long even, what it means to be part of something greater than ourselves. To blend back into the oneness and be doneness. What song is that? I'm reminded of a scene at the end of Philip Roth's Everyman, one of his last novels, a scene of melting back into the ocean, to melt back into the night, because everything inside is made of stone. Roth writes, An Atlantic waves from a hundred yards out in the wild ocean all the way into shore. Oh, the abandon of it, and the smell of the salt water and the scorching sun. Daylight, he thought, penetrating everywhere, day after summer day, of that daylight blazing off of a living sea, an optical treasure so vast and valuable that he could have been peering through the jeweler's loop engraved with his father's initial at the perfect priceless palette itself. And his home, the billion, the trillion, the quadrillion carat planet Earth, he went under feeling far from felled, anything but doomed, eager yet again to be fulfilled, but nonetheless, he never woke up. Cardiac arrest. He was no more, freed from being, entering into nowhere without even knowing it, just as he'd feared from the start. We all know death. We all know that no one gets out of here alive. At the time of this writing, we may know death more intimately than at any time since our great-grandparents or even earlier. This is the reality of COVID-19, a nightmare and a litmus test, not a fairy tale. If societies can be measured by how they face mortality, anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, conspiracies, we have learned about a shocking degree of lack of humility, a lack of graciousness, lots of fight, lots of flight, and so many people who are unwilling to take the jab or cover their nose and mouth simply to be a good neighbor to the greater whole, not the black hole of damaged, needy egos and riotous immaturity. When a beloved figure like Charlie Watts dies, one with a particular place and a band that is touched on how we flee, fly, resign ourselves and meld into our own mortality for so very long, thoughts of our own purpose come to the surface. Drummers have such a strange and wonderful task, sitting in the back, underneath and behind the music, while the drama plays out. In his passing, Charlie Watts counted off a rhythm of life we need in order to be grounded. And we're going to have to part with all of our rock and roll heroes soon. What will remain of the muses and short fuses they provided when they're gone? One of Bob Dylan's great gifts, as we talked about in the Grateful Dead episode in season one, is keeping our hearts and narratives aware of mortality as a means of sharpening the colors and the love of life. So we mourn a drummer we never met, but really, we are through this rock and roll god 
aligning ourselves with loss the way gods and angels have always lent a hand for the things impossible to grasp. Yes, to grasp at the raging against the dying of the light and death's inevitable end, but also in knowing that we are all trying to get to heaven before they close the door and all longing to sink back into the forever home where mothers and muses stay to receive us. Music. Music reminds us of all of these things, maybe even more than our own families sometimes, because our music is everywhere. Wherever we are, the music is with us. And this is especially true of the Stones, who have been a kind of forever more than any other band but for the Beatles, who, for their part, had already entered the afterlife of bands more than 50 years ago. The Rolling Stones, God bless them. And then there were four. And now there are three. And onward we go. This has been episode one of season two of Man and God in Law, the spiritual wisdom of Bob Dylan. Next time we're celebrating the release of number 36 or 42 of the bootleg series, Springtime in New York, and talking about bootlegging bootleggers. Why are we obsessed with these outtakes and live cuts? How is Dylan manhandled and hidden so much of his greatest music? Dylan Moore, a creator or a curator? All of these questions and more next time in two weeks. Visit mangodlaw.com for writing, show notes, and more about the book. And please do share and follow this podcast wherever you listen. We are proud to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Check out loads of fantastic podcasts for music lovers at PantheonPodcast.com. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff. Thanks for coming, and see you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.